We're going to read one of my favorite passages of scripture tonight. As you can tell, it's at the end of the book. Revelation 21, page 1007. We're reading verses 1 through 8. Revelation 21. This is John the Apostle, Revelation, singular, singular, not Revelations, singular. Revelation, he has this vision when he's in the island, on the island of Patmos, and he writes it all down. And so that's why we call it the Revelation. And it's not like there are lots of Revelations. So Revelation, so this is what he's seeing, and he knows it's something holy. He knows it's something different. It's not just a dream. There's something significant that's happening. And this is what he writes in chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Does the pain of this world ever overwhelm you? It can be cumulative, you know? You can just be having one of those weeks where maybe even it's not happening to you, but you're hearing about it happening to other people. You hear about someone whose beloved grandmother dies, and then you hear about somebody else who comes down with mono right in the middle of their senior project. Or you hear about somebody else who, a dear friend, who doesn't know if they're gonna be able to stay at Calvin because they can't quite make the tuition payments. Or maybe somebody that you know and love is struggling spiritually. And you don't know what to do or say. Or someone you know has mental illness and it seems that they're in a deep fog. And, and that's just people we know. And then you turn on the news and you remember Selma and the race relations and how we're still so muddled up on that. 
and you hear about Syria and ISIS and the anniversary of plane crashes and, 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 and. The sorrows of this world, the sorrows of the people that we love can just overwhelm us. And there's this deep longing in us to make it right. There's this deep longing that each one of us has when presented with one of those things where we want to fix it. We want desperately to fix it. We would give anything to heal the person who needs healing. We would give anything to find the financial resources for the person who needs them. We would give anything to do away with evil in this world. We would do anything. We have these longings in us, these longings for something different, for the world to not be this way. We know in the marrow of our bones that things are not the way they are supposed to be. That, my friends, is a holy longing. If you are a person who feels the pain of the world and longs for things to be different, that's a holy longing. Because that's how we were created to be. We were created, as you remember, creation was about relationship. God created people and he created the planet to be in relationship, a beautiful, intimate relationship in which God and people and people and people and people and creation were all working beautifully together in harmony and service and love and affection and everything was supposed to be beautiful and wonderful and good, very good. And when we have these holy longings, it's because we have this within us, this created desire to go back. Back to the garden. That's a holy longing. But we can't go back. Through Adam and Eve's disobedience, there has been a cleft a breaking, a separation, a great divide, a canyon in the relationship between God and God's people and, honestly, between people and each other and between people and the world. Things are horribly, horribly broken. And this holy longing we have to make things right doesn't work because we are part of the problem. We are just as broken and just as wounded. The list of things that John puts out of the voice of the Lord at the end of this passage, as for the idolaters and the sorcerers and the polluted and the murderers, and we all go, Ugh. Because that's us. We're in that list. Because of the fall, we're all in that list. So we can't make the world better. We have these holy longings that 
we can do a little bit with, but we can't fix it enough. Creation, fall, redemption. Jesus came. We know this. He came as a babe in the manger. He lived. He died. He lives again. He ascended into heaven, but he's not back yet. And we know that someday he will come back. We know that someday all will be put right. And the first part of this Revelation 21 passage will come true. But in the meantime, oh, it's so hard. Scholars who study eschatology, which is the study of the last things, call this crux that we're in the already and not yet. The already and the not yet. Jesus has come already. He has ushered in the kingdom of God. Death has been conquered. I want you to be clear on this. Satan has been conquered. Conquered. What he's doing right now are just last minute skirmishes to try and gain some ground, but he is done, okay? Because that's what redemption did. Jesus went to hell and conquered sin and death and hell. That's redemption. And the brokenness, the cleave, the cliff, the wounding, the barriers between God and God's people have been broken down in Jesus Christ. And he is drawing, drawing, drawing us back together again. But we're not there yet. He has come already but he has not yet come. He has come already, but he has not yet come. And we long for that. We long for the coming. You see, our longings get messed up a lot. We long for things like Intimacy and physical contact and food and sleep and work and video games and money. And we have these longings for all these things. And we're kind of disappointed when we have the thing that we've always wanted and it doesn't fulfill us. You have this when you talk to people who are newly married. When they think, oh, finally I'm going to be married. My life is going to be perfect. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I won't be lonely forever. And then they're in for a little while and they're like, oh. Huh. He's great and everything. I think I'm pretty good. But is there a perfect fulfillment of all the longings ever in your whole life? No. Are there things that your spouse will do someday that will really tick you off? Yes. Will they do those things repeatedly despite the fact that you asked them not to? Yes. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> because on this side of the return, that's what we're longing for. Our longings get messed up, and we try to fulfill them in lots of different ways, and then we get disappointed. This is what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. I tried this, and I tried that, I tried that, I tried that, oh, nothing, I don't know, I don't know what to do anymore. I guess you just love God. Pulse notes on Ecclesiastes. 
Matthews. He spends the entire book trying to fulfill the longing, and he can't quite do it. Now, when some theologians talk about creation, fall, redemption, the next word they use is restoration, which is a great word, because that's what's going to happen. Everything's going to be restored, made new. But an older theological word, and one I think that really addresses the idea of longing, is the word consummation. Throughout Scripture, over and over and over again, the image that is given is that the people of God are the bride. The people of God are the bride. And God longs for his bride. He just can't wait for his bride. He can't wait for the wedding. He can't wait to be reunited with his bride. And if you study the prophets, what they say again and again is that you have betrayed your groom. You have gone against your husband. You have turned away from the one who has committed to you. You have longed for the wrong thing. And what we're given here in Revelation, in the chapter before this one, what we're given is an image where the angel says, you know what this is happening right now? This is the wedding feast of the Lamb. The bride has made herself ready. The bride is ready. The groom is ready. This is a wedding feast. We finally made it. That's consummation. You see how restoration doesn't quite get at that? Consummation is you have been separated from your lover for millennia and you finally get to hold them in your arms and never let them go. That's consummation. That's what God is doing. That's what Jesus is getting ready for. He says in a parable that he knows not the day or the hour. No one knows but the Father that's because in that culture, the son had a job to do if he was going to get married. Some of you know what the job was. What did the son have to do before the father would let him get married? He had to build a house. And it had to be good enough. The father had to come and check the son's work. And he would say to him, oh, no, 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 no. This is for your bride. Come on now. Let's dial it up a little bit. This is for your bride. You are preparing something for your bride. You need to get ready because this is going to be amazing. And so Jesus right now is getting ready for us. Are we getting ready for him? We are the bride. He is the groom, and when he returns, he will take us into his home. Consummation. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're leaning into. And all of our longings need to be most clearly directed toward that event. Because John says it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. 
death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain and sadness will be no more. What does it repeat in the text? It says God will be with his people and he will be with them and he will be their God and they will be his people. Finally, this is repeat, like he will be with you. He will dwell right with you. He will be right here. It's going to be the greatest thing ever in the history of ever. But what do we do in the meantime? And the sorrows of the world overwhelm. So I was talking with a student this week about some sorrows she was carrying. And she's just been hit. Like some of us get hit. Like boom, boom, boom. Loss, loss, loss. She said, where's God in this? Which is such a good question to ask. And so together we opened the story in the book of Daniel about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are Jews, and the king, Nebuchadnezzar, says, you've got to bow down to me. And the three of them say, no. No, thank you. We actually think our God is better, and so we're just going to bow down to him. And he says, well, I don't like that very much. I'm going to put you in a furnace. He's a little stronger about it. <laughs> so he puts them in the fiery furnace, and the people who throw them in the furnace actually die, but they don't die. And he's watching this, because he's that kind of king, and he's watching... <laughs> what's happening to the three in the furnace. And he says to the people sitting there, didn't, didn't we put three in? Did we, did we put three in? And they say, um, yes, okay, yes, we put three in. And he says, why do I see four? Yeah, four. And one of them looks like the son of a god. And the student and I together observed that God doesn't put out the fire. God doesn't teleport them out of the fire. God doesn't take out King Nebuchadnezzar. Where does God meet them? In the fire. God is not absent from the sorrows of this world. God is not absent from the heartache in your life. He is in the fire. Jesus Christ came, took on flesh, and suffered so that he would know your suffering, so that he would know your heartache. He would know what it's like to be betrayed by a friend. He knows what it's like to stand at a grave and weep. He knows what it's like to be beaten. He knows what it's like to die. There is no experience of our lives that our God cannot understand from the inside out. In the meantime, he is here. And what we do on Sundays, which for many of us is our Sabbath day, what we do on Sundays is remember that. 
What we do on Sundays as the bride of Christ is we gather together and we say, are you getting ready? Are you getting ready? Because our groom is going to come. What we do on Sundays is we gather together, we worship, and we take one day and we say, on this day, we remember that Satan has been conquered. On this day, we remember that death does not win. On this day, we remember that all of our longings are twisted and they will be redeemed. And what we are longing for most is the consummation when the bride and the groom will be together. On this day, we say to the world, your lives have no place here. On this day, we say, I am good enough because of what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. On this day, we say, I do not need to be thinner. I do not need to be smarter. I do not need to try harder. I do not need to earn more money. On this day, because of what God and Christ has done for me, I am enough. I have enough. And God is taking care of everything. We lean on our Sabbath days. We lean into the new heaven and the new earth. We lean into anticipation of the wedding feast of the Lamb. We lean into that day when all of our longings will be met in Jesus Christ and the sufferings of this present age, as is written in Scripture, will be like nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us when Jesus Christ returns. We lean into the new heaven and the new earth. We lean in to the feasting. Tonight, my friends, we will feast. And we will feast on that holy sacrament of cupcakes. <laughs> because a cupcake is a sign of the new heaven and the new earth. It is beautiful and it is sweet and it is luxurious. Do we deserve it? No! <laughs> is it given to us? Yes! Are there even gluten-free ones downstairs? Yes! Because our God takes care of all of our needs, even the gluten-free. <laughs> we feast. We lean into the new heaven and the new earth, and it tastes great. <laughs> and when you taste the sweet, taste it. Be still, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Lean in to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Lean in. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, who else? <laughs> writes it like this. Our lifelong nostalgia, 
our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off. To be on the inside of some door which we have always seen from the outside is no mere neurotic fancy, but the truest index of our real situation. And to be at last summoned inside will be both glory and honor beyond all our merits and also the healing of that old ache. At present, we are on the outside of the world, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and purity of morning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the splendors we see. But all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. And until then, we eat cupcakes. And we imagine the new heaven and the new earth. Will you pray with me? Our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how we long for the consummation, for the bride and the groom to be reunited, for the sufferings of this present world to evaporate, for there to be no mourning, no cancer, no migraines, no depression, no evil, no abuse, no assaults, no sin. Death and crying and mourning and pain will be no more and you will make everything new. Sustain us, holy God. Sustain us and build up in us the patience to wait with eager expectation that just as you came once, you will come again. How great you are. How great you are. How great you are. Amen.